podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ready? Play. Hello, everybody. We hadn't even decided who's going to lead, I guess. Now, I'll introduce us, then we'll get yeah, going. Just go, just go. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Talking Tennis. It's myself, Jack Edwards, and Nick Carter. I'm very excited to talk to my man, Nick, about what's happened today, because it's been a very interesting day at the French Open. It's been a very interesting tournament. A little bit of a sum up, a little bit of our thoughts and stuff. Nick, yep. you take the reins. Where do you want to start? Um, well, traditionally on this show, we kind of go with the women's um, draw first, so... Um, may as well start there. Um, I think, uh, obviously, um, there've been, there were actually some pretty interesting, which today featured some pretty interesting matches on the whole, I thought, um, actually. Um, quite a lot of action from, uh, th- definitely throughout the four that were well worth your time watching. Um, and then even that fourth one, I take it, is the same one you're thinking of, is a result that's certainly going to pique some interest. So every match worth talking about, right? Definitely every match worth talking about. And um, I would, I mean, I would actually say that um, the match that just finished, that um, sadly you probably had to uh, miss. Yes, um, I, didn't see, I didn't get to see it. Was actually pretty entertaining. For the, yeah. for the most part, um, like I, I, I'm, I don't know if you were able to follow the live score, but it was quite a topsy turvy match. Okay, well, the last ball has dropped on this match, so we may as well start from the end of the day. So, Sabalenka versus Sloan Stevens. Um, and uh, what happened was Sabalenka went five love up in the first set. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you, you've seen the score, so you don't have it. Yeah. Stevens then won the next five games in a row to take it to five all. They uh-huh. then both held serve, took it to a tie break. Stevens was four two up in the tie break and lost the tie break seven five. Um, it Why? was all, all kind of momentum shifts. Like I genuinely thought Stevens would get it. And unfortunately as the finish line for the set got into sight, she got tight and right. sub, sub, but up to that point, she was doing a really good job of, dealing with the power Sabalenka was coming at her. Sabalenka started making a few errors because she was getting um, frustrated with um, seems able to absorb and redirect the pace she was getting, she was throwing at her. Um, Mm -hmm. When we got into set two, however, Sabalenka, I think probably because she'd won that first set, started to find her range a little bit. She started to work the angles a lot more um, and it became less and less Stevens was able to do until eventually like there was one break kind of Mm -hmm. decided the set. Um, but Stevens made it competitive. Um, it was a nice contrast of styles in that match. Uh, but yeah, not a surprise um, given that Stevens has never beaten Sabalenka, but it was on clay. It could have gone a bit differently and Stevens made a good go of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm more interested, I guess, given how the momentum shifted, how both players looked in terms of tightness. I know you said Stevens was tight, but what, what was happening? Was Sabalenka double-faulting at any points? Was there any of that present in the tiebreak, or was it all Stevens? The, the double-faults weren't too bad um, that I remember. Um, I'm having a look at the stats for it now that the, uh, that, that the French Open provide. Um, yeah, I've got two double-faults here. That Google's yep. not particularly reliable, but... To, to yeah. the whole match from Sabalenka. So that, that says to me it yeah. wasn't a, a nerve issue she, she was definitely tight. Um, mm-hmm. She got she became tight. She started, 
she definitely lost a lot of rhythm during that first set because Stevens suddenly woke up and it wasn't an easy ride for her. And she was, as I said, just absorbing, redirecting, um, kind of looping the ball a bit so she couldn't get, um, making it high so she couldn't generate pace or find it more difficult to generate pace. Um, obviously, it's Sabalenka. She's got a lot of power wherever she hits the ball, but it did make it a little bit trickier for her. Um, and I think that just made Sabalenka, that sub, make it Sabalenka get a bit tight as she lost those five games. And by the way, she, Sabalenka had set points during that run of five games that Sloan won. Um, she had about four set points during that time. And uh, Sloan just saved all of them at the end of the day. It ended up being just a miscued, what was it? It ended up being like Sabalenka's fifth set point in the tiebreak ended up being like a miscued backhand um, or a miscued shot anyway from Stevens that decided it. A bit anticlimactic, really. Yeah. Still, yeah, great result for Sabalenka in general. It sounded like a good match. And I honestly was expecting a lot more of a drubbing from Sabalenka against Stevens. So obviously two Grand Slam champs that kind of lived up to the billing in a lot of ways. And um, going forward, Sabalenka sounds like she pulled it out of the bag. I would expect her to do pretty well in her next match, regardless of what happens. And it could be tight in this next match, right? Because, of course, on uh, Suzanne Mongol, we had Kazakina losing to Svetlina. Uh, Svetlina, of course, yep. coming back from maternity leave, etc. I mean, this is one of the stories of the year, obviously. This is just amazing at this point, even to get to the, the quarterfinals for Svetlina yep. is incredible. So whatever happens from here on out, still an amazing story. Um, pusher versus Pusher, right? And historically, it's funny because I saw a tweet on this. Svetlina is just like emphatic against famous Pushers. Her head to head against Kerber, it's just so one sided. Halep, so one sided. Wozniacki, so one sided. I don't want to say pusher. I don't, I don't diss the word with the word pusher though, Nick, just yeah. to be clear. It's just, you know, it's just a term. It's, it's, it's the term that's kind of out there in the, in the main tennis yeah. um, community, really. Um, I loved watching the match. I loved watching two quotes pushers going head to head and um working the ball as they do um and they really worked it it was a very scrappy match i don't know if you saw it but i would say scrappy is the word i would use i saw some of it as the the parts i saw were okay actually but yeah yeah i, I, I get the vibe anyway i know i know what's happening um i'm not a pusher by the way i'm uh, my dad is famously a pusher and i've had to deal with that for years his pushing ways <laughs> if, if he's watching from mallorca at the moment you'll know exactly what i'm talking about we are we are talking about tennis balls right jack yeah, we're talking about we're talking about we're talking about tennis balls. Yeah, that's uh, it's only coaching that goes on off the court, uh, on the court. Nick, that's, of course it's on the court. I meant as a job. Never mind, just to uh, scrap that train of thought. Um, so back to Svetlina. Let's keep this on track. Um, yeah, amazing story, obviously, right? How happy are you for it? I mean, were you expecting any of this? It, it's all happened quite fast, right? Obviously, she had that title in Strasbourg before she started the the tournament. Yeah. So, so the Titan Strasbourg um, did did kind of heavily influence me. So um, I actually put Svitolina in my fourth round when I did my draw bracket. Um, and I had her losing to Marketa von Drosheva, who obviously yes. didn't overcome Kasatkina. Um, so I expected Svitolina to make second week. Quarterfinals is an amazing story. Like second week will be an amazing story, but the quarterfinals is just anything beyond this point is a bonus. And uh, to see her hit the ground running like this, and like there have been... There have been other women over the years who've done this, something similar, coming back in the ground running. I mean, 
Um, Kim Clijsters famously did it. Um, you could argue yes. Serena did it. Um, uh, so it's it's not a surprise that it can happen, but it's it's still a great story um, for her, especially given other context around her and um, obviously being Ukrainian. Uh, it's all and and sort of her career up to this point of sort of you know um, top ten, you know, had a lot of great things kind of touted for her, and in the end didn't seem to be able to what hasn't so far been able to maybe um, live up to the hype that she had when she initially came on the scene. Um, so yeah, to get to immediately go, she belong demonstrate that she belongs in the elite um, is absolutely fantastic for her. I am looking forward to seeing what she does against Sabalenka because again, that's a that's another counter puncher for her. Um, yeah, for Sabalenka. Clearly, she's excelled against other women of her kind of brand of tennis. I guess she probably is there to be overpowered if Sabalenka can play her best tennis, but let's not underrate her. You know, Sabalenka is a tall off, and Svetlina could easily be in the semis as well. I just think Sabalenka is so confident. That What you said to me, I know she was five level up, but to then bounce back and still win the set, that's big. And in straight sets, and um, that says a lot to me. So I, I'm confident. Uh, it's a very, very fascinating story, Nick. Are yeah. you um, happy to move on to the other two? Yeah, yeah. Fourth rounds? Yeah, we, we saw today. So we also had Mukova against... Amanesian. This is the only one I didn't catch any of. Yeah, likewise, I didn't see any of that. Um, but there's more about the result, as we say, right? Yeah, you, you, that was the one you were mentioning earlier as the maybe one that's not as quite a spectacular a match, right? But the fact that Mukov is into the quarters, that's the big story, right? You know, yeah. we've, we've not seen her make a deep slam run since, I believe, was it the Australian Open as long ago as that now? Um, a couple of years yeah. ago, she had another. Don't think yeah, 21, yeah. Uh, yeah. 2021 when she made the semis yeah. um, oh uh, no John's saying Wimbledon 21 I totally forgot about that um, yeah but you're right yeah because yeah she made the court that was yeah because Mukova famously well famously to me had made the quarterfinals at Wimbledon her first two visits to the grass course of FW19 and, la- and last year was her worst result and that was the third round um, yeah. so yeah to have her kind of I don't think she's completed the set of Grand Slam quarterfinals. I think she's still got to break the US, but um, I definitely think, um, yeah, to make to make Roland Garros and and a lot of people kind of called it. Um, like Vanch was has been very open and saying, you know, um, on on this on the show that he thought Mukova was going to make at least the quarters. Yeah, um, I think I think a lot of people did. Um, she was certainly my favourite for that quarter as well. I, I didn't think there was anybody there that was particularly threatening. Mukova in full health, Nick, is just you know a sight to behold. It, so long as she doesn't have any physical issues from here on out, it's going to take a very good performance to beat her. She just tends to run into a wall of some sort of physical issue at some point in the tournament. She's um, you know she's such a solid player. I've, I've got a lot of faith in her in her next match. I believe that's against the winner of the other match, Pavlochenkova, right? yeah. who, who beat Elise Mertens. It'll be interesting to see what happens here because Pavlochenkova, again, you know, should be applauded almost to the level of Svitolina because this is a huge, huge comeback and almost Agreed. more out of nowhere than, than Svitolina because she hadn't had any momentum going into this tournament at all. We obviously knew how big a ball Pavlochenkova could hit having made the final here a couple of years ago. But I'm, I'm still surprised with the, the scalps that Pavlochenkova has put together. Let me just get them up so I can remember, obviously. Uh, she got Potapova, Merton. Yes, yeah. Um, who else? 
and sat Sam Tonova and Fruvitova. Obviously, Fruvitova was there to be beaten and overpowered definitely at this stage in her career. Sam Tonova, I'm always going to rate a Sam Tonova when she's right up there as my, uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm a fan favourite definitely. She's a fan favourite of mine. Potapova, I had in the semis, Nick. I'm ashamed to say. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I, not surprised. I'm not I, surprised. Just a massive hitter of the ball. I thought on these courts with a little bit of time, she's one of the few players that could actually make that work in her favour. But Pavlyuchenkova, uh, outstanding against her. So I, I, I honestly think the four matches she's played so far might be probably tougher than the other four um, that have already made it to the course. Or the other three, sorry, that have already made it to the course. Um, I think she's yeah. had the toughest route. I think she thoroughly deserves to be there. And it's about 50-50 for me going into the Mukova match because Pavlyuchenko has hit such a big ball in the moment. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, that Potapova match, um, like, I that was an impressive comeback, the way that she was kind of... She almost just um, frustrated Potapova into losing because she just wouldn't go away. Um, and uh, yeah, and it, it, it shouldn't be surprised. Pavlyuchenko is a top class player, and you know you'd expect that from someone who's made the quarterfinals at every major, got to the Roland Garros final, as you say. It's going to be a very interesting clash with Mukova, I think. Um, I, I I think that's that's the one that's probably the hardest to call. Like you could um, you can just about imagine a Svitolina upset on Sabalenka, just, um, but. Um, we know there's a heavy favourite in that match, and that's Sabalenka. Um, Mukova Pavlyuchenkova. Mukova's maybe the slight favourite, but it's not by much. And I think that's going to be a fascinating clash when that happens on Tuesday. She's also, for me, Mukova has a better chance, I think, of beating Sabalenka, just given it's a power v power game for Pavlyuchenkova. Mm-hmm. Sabalenka would probably win that. Mukova at least brings something different to the table. Obviously, slices are going to be. A pain in the bum for Zabalenka for sure. It's not a style she plays that often. She can counter it. You know, she used to play Barty frequently and she has wins over Barty. You know, she has ways of, of countering it. It's not like it's a, a gimme that Mukova wins just because of a, a funky sort of game style. But I'd be I'd be more intrigued to see that, Nick, than see a Pavlyuchenkova Zabalenka semi final. Yeah, I think on balance I would be as well. Although you have got me thinking about, you know, if, say, craziness happened and Karolina Mukova made the final. That would be a wonderful matchup against Eager if that was Eager in the final, or mm-hmm. even, uh, or even Arnt. No, I think that this, the, no, I, well, I, I would enjoy the tennis they both, yes, yeah, yeah, of course, of course, absolutely. Um, but second, I, second choice would be Ons versus Mukova, that would be entertaining, yeah, yeah, that would be good, yeah, particularly at Wimbledon, I think, would be amazing. I, I'd love to see that, it'd be slicing and dicing in the grass, that would be so good. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely love that. In terms of actually having a chance against Eager, though, at the French Open. I'm not saying she has a chance. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be a funny. I, I just think it would create some fun moments. I figured that. Just yeah, to to clarify for me, it's got to be somebody who's you know you have to have power. You have to have immense power to beat Fontek in, in these conditions. By the way, Fontek at this tournament so far is, is <laughs> insane. Is I didn't watch the Wong match. I didn't need to. I just caught the three minute highlights on Roland Garros, and that's all the information I needed really. Um, it. Yeah, she has been supreme so far. Um, let's hope she's not had too soft a draw um, going into this, but we'll we'll see. We're, she didn't play today. She's playing tomorrow. Um, yeah, you're right, Nick. It could work against her for sure. You know, sometimes it helps to have a few of those difficult matches under your belt. The Kinwin Jing one, of course, last year 
proving to be pretty helpful, I think, just to get her spurred into gear. Barely troubled after that. So, yeah. But I the semi final could provide that, or if um, the semi final could provide that, maybe, depending on who she gets. I think everybody was obviously hoping Ruby Kino was going to be there now. Mm, maybe not so much. Ons, yeah. I, no, I don't fancy Ons against Iga. The, again, not to win, but to, I'm not talking again to win, to push. That's that's about as much as you can ask, right, Nick? And it's a good question, actually. Like, who who can... Who's who going to push her and wake her up? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in, in that case, I mean, no, nobody actually looking at the okay. top. Pretty much, maybe Pera, maybe Pera. So Pera actually is my outside pick because Pera, her best shot, I would say, is the first ball eh, on return. Okay. And if somebody can get a big return against Schwantek, because you get the chance, obviously the serve's probably still the weakness of the Iga game, right? You get the chance to rush off the first ball. Maybe Perez the only person for me that can that can trouble her. But apart from that, no, I don't fancy the rest of the, the okay. picks there. So so we're basically saying if um, Sabalenka, Sabalenka in, in the final would be the biggest test Iga would have to deal with. That's what we were all hoping for from the start, right? That would be so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it depends on what angle you're coming from. Um, yes, personally, yeah. I'm perfectly fine with Iga having an easier run. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. I'm, I'm, I'm more impartial than yourself, Nick. To be fair, I, I want to see great. Tennis. I'm okay with being impartial most of the time. Just give, yeah. just give me, just give me some moments. <laughs> For the French Open final, fair enough. And I think um, most Iga fans will feel very nervous, regardless of who she's playing in that final. Oh, for sure. I, which, let's face it, anyone who supported any player. At, um, who's reached the top of the game, regardless, is going to be like nervous. I would fully imagine that John was super nervous before pretty much any ref in the match. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe by the yeah. 14th final against Casper Ridd, he was, he was a little relaxed. If you, how, how nervous were you before every Andy match in his, uh, his pomp? That's a different story, Nick. You always in his pomp. Every one of the Andy's big matches, you were like, well, He's going to lose this, right? It's like, <laughs> even he lost Roundich at Wimbledon 16. Even Milos. That was horrible. I just, even, that was, even though that was straight sets, that was horrendous. I oh, it was tight. Yeah. yeah, it was. Exactly. It was super tight. He just didn't want him to lose any set. So, that, yeah, that was rough, Nick, I've got to say. Yeah, okay. Right, should we, should we move on to the men's? Yeah, let's, let's, let's tackle the men's draw. Um, let's see. So, as I said, the only... I, so in terms of what I actually saw, um, we talked a little bit um, about, um, I think it was before we um, came on air or something, um, Alcaraz Massetti. Um, it might have been with someone else anyway. Um, that was obviously a highly anticipated match. Um, we thought maybe given their previous clashes in the previous clash in Hamburg, the fact that Alcaraz seems to be challenged by the others in the farms generation, um, that... Uh, um, it could be, you know, four or um, three sets and it, uh, four or five sets. And uh, it looked like at the start that might be happening. Um, when Mossetti got the early break, like broken the opening game of the match, went two love up and we're like, OK. And then it was plain sailing for Carlos Alcaraz for the rest of the way. And Mossetti just couldn't touch him. He was Alcaraz just put in a phenomenal performance, um, untouchable and... Uh, yeah, looking very, very strong right now. Yes, I saw the whole match. In terms of why I thought Musetti would be a threat before the tournament even started, that Hamburg final when Musetti beat Alcaraz in three sets, Musetti's 
return, particularly as one-hander, was just so good at neutralising any of Alcaraz's serves. It was always in the, Al- the Musetti strike zone, right? Because Alcaraz's serve, then, even now, not the best place. You're always going to get a chance to hit it. Musetti was so good at keeping it deep with so much spin. There was very little Alcaraz could do off the first ball. And generally, eventually, he, he could cause Carlos to overheat. Now, in this match, obviously, the rally temperament of Alcaraz, unfortunately for the whole tour, has gone up a notch in those nine months, right? So he's not missing anywhere near as much. But the biggest thing for me is the fact Alcaraz's drop shot game, drop shot and forehand combo game, have gotten better in the last, like, nine months. Like the way How he... did that get better? <laughs> I know, exactly. Well, that, that, you know, Juan Carlos Ferrero touched on it. He was like, he's played at 60%, right, man? Like, he's going to be amazing. He's going to be like you know, whatever is better than world number one, world number negative, whatever. He was always saying, you know, he's going to be incredible once he's the finished product. He's working with tools that he's not quite refined. I get it now. I think the sets of pass match in Barcelona was the first time for me, I saw a match, Alcaraz just played perfect from start to finish. <laughs> like He's obviously incredible, but he was untouchable. There was a few, you know, misses, but in terms of tactics, right, he just played... Every single shot at the perfect moment. He was one step ahead of Steph the entire time. Um, and I think Medved- the Medvedev match actually as well with Indian Wales, that, that's right up there too in terms mm-hmm. of just like knowing when to come into the net and stuff and pulling Medvedev apart. So you, all, I still thought Musetti could have been a threat, but the the chasm in performance, it, honestly, Musetti was still really good. That's the thing. Musetti didn't yeah. play badly. Um, Alcaraz was just way, way, he's a league, he's a league of his own. I am almost tempted to change my winner's pick now, but oh. it'll, it'll be interesting. I, I still think I'll stick to my guns because in one of the other matches, uh, Novak matched Alcaraz for a score, 3-2-2. Two, two. So, you know, he had his own uh, amazing match along with Alcaraz. It was against Juan Pablo Varilla, so, okay, a little bit lower ranked than Musetti, obviously. But Varillas is a great clear quarter. I mean, he's got an insane forehand. He's a guy who does not shy away from the pressure moments. He still plays massive, massive shots with his back against the wall. At the same time, we, we didn't expect anything less from Novak here, right? This did feel like once he's into gear, once he's going at the slams, this is the kind of score like he, he generates in his sleep, right? Yeah, I I, get I didn't see the match. This is fully how I expected it to go. And um, judging by what I saw from Djokovic, uh, against Davidovich Fakina, having come through that, I would expect him to be in top gear for the rest of the tournament. And I, again, I don't know whether Varias was struggling physically, judging by the number of games he won. I don't think so, um, because he won more than three. Um, but uh, I definitely, I definitely see Djokovic as being a major threat. Which, if this Alcaraz Djokovic semi final happens, that's just going to bring. That's just gonna make it um the blockbuster that we hoped it for with these two in top gear finally clashing in what has to be the most anticipated match of the year this is the one when 2023 our calendars turned over we were like when are these two gonna meet are they gonna meet in a slam where is it gonna be we're finally here but we're not finally here because they both have other opponents to get through um so this could be a massive massive letdown uh, if uh, we get to the Tuesday's last more ball drops and uh, one of them or both of them have lost. 
I well let, let's take take a very quick look at who they've got next and we can assess whether or not there's any chance of them not getting to the semis. Certainly having just mentioned that the Alcaraz Steph matchup looks pretty one sided nowadays. Oh, one hundred percent. Steph doesn't Steph's matchups against the top players right now are all one sided. Yeah. Let's be honest. It, you know, the the worst of the worst matchups though in terms of the top 10, you know, he'd take anybody else over Alcaraz, I think. And all of them are pretty bad matchups for him, right, as you say. But Alcaraz in particular on clay, that was that was horrific for him in Barcelona. I, I really don't see him being able to do much unless he has one of his best days ever. It's going to be, yeah, ugly, I think, for, for Sitsipas. I'm expecting straight sets, honestly. Nick? Yeah, and then, I, uh, no, I agree. Novak Kachanov? Do you know, that could be an issue, potentially. I'm not even, you know, I'm not... I, I genuinely think if Djokovic's forehand hasn't quite sort of got into gear yet, and actually we saw some pretty good signs against Pablo Varias, you know, 13 forehand winners, seven forehand uh, forced errors as well, not many unforced errors. The problem is Varias is nowhere near as good a defender as Kachanov is, he's not going to keep the rallies going for as long. He's not going to be able to keep the rallies neutral for as long. He probably didn't really get tested, to be honest. And the thing is, I I would be feeling more reluctant to say Djokovic is going to get through this easily, were it not for the fact, not easily, or in straight sets, three tight sets is what I think, Nick, and it's because of that Davidovich Fikina match. So honestly, I think having survived that, he should be in good enough form to, to get through Fairly comfortably. But we know we know Hatchinov has had a history of irritating uh, Novak Djokovic a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he beat um, Novak in the um, in the Paris Masters final of 2018, when Djokovic was actually looking pretty good at that point. Um, he took um, a set off Djokovic when they played each other at Roland Garros um, in uh, what year was it? It was after that match, I believe it was... Yeah, no, it wasn't. He didn't take a set. Um, I'm thinking of someone else, um, but they did. I do remember him, might have been a breakup or something during um, the 2020 Roland Garros because they definitely played in the round of 16. It, um, it's, it's, it's all about the rally temperament, really, as yeah. you say. Like he, he is, even if he's not winning sets, whatever, it's, it's about the fact he can keep rallies going for a long, long time unless somebody produces a big weapon against him. And... This is what everybody's been waiting for. We've been waiting to see Will Novak's forehand kind of kick into gear because he'll need that in these sort of matches. I think uh, it didn't quite live up to the test against Davidovich Fikina, to be fair, but there was enough of his the rest of his game going on that I feel confident for him here. But honestly, Nick, if he doesn't quite get that last gear that he needs, then Alcaraz is the favourite. After that match against Musetti, Alcaraz is the favourite. Yeah, maybe. I think we'll have to see. I, I, uh, I like you. I'm sticking to my guns. I think you and I made the same pick that Novak Djokovic is going to win the title. Yes. I am also sticking to my guns because I, much as we can say Djokovic does, you're right. Djokovic doesn't find that gear. He's in trouble. I would right. say that I get about pretty much any other player against yeah. Alcaraz. Um, the problem is, is that we've got with Novak Djokovic is he will find that extra gear out of nowhere. He, he will, just does he it. it. I know exactly. what he does. He, he never ever turns up for these big matches without that gear ready, right? He knows mm-hmm. he needs to be ready for it. He always is. This is why I picked him from the start. He just always is ready. 
he's going to be ready for sure. Yeah. If we get it, if we get it, he has if to go for Kachanov. The, the problem is with a player like Kachanov. Do you know, actually, I think Novak obviously does rate Kachanov, but because it's the quarterfinals and he knows the semifinals is going to be the big match sort of thing, he, I don't know, he might not come into that match quite as firing as he could be. We could even see a five-setter maybe, Nick, just mm-hmm. if, if Novak's a little slow, but I, I just don't see Novak losing. I, no, I don't either. Um, like, you know, I, I, I he's only lost to Kachanov once. Their head-to-head is 8-1. Um, so it's, yeah. it's comprehensive for me. Um, I mean, Hatchinov's looking pretty good, though. Like, he's got to his third consecutive major quarterfinal. This is, he's going to, barring Francisco Sarundolo winning the French Open, he is set to be back in the top 10, um, which is, you know, that's, he deserves to be here on the basis of his performance in majors because he's delivering on the biggest stages um, when others aren't. And, uh, you know, he's he did well against Sonigo today. He um putting him away. I didn't see the match, but judging by the scoreline, um, looks like he fended him off. Um and uh yeah, I think Hatchinov is definitely not a player anyone wants to see in their section of the draw in the minute. In any tournament. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, the the whole big match catching of player thing is is actually insane. Like uh, there's very, very few players who have made three major quarterfinals in a row. Uh, in the current sort of standings, it's, it's pretty rare. And if he makes a third semi-final in a row, obviously, you'd have to be looking for ages to find players outside of the big four that yeah. you know, are, are making that those sort of records. So it's, it's very, very impressive. Yeah, um, and uh, the, the thing about... <laughs> the thing that gets me is, like, surely now, whenever we do draw previews, we cannot overlook Hatchinoff because I've obviously went on the draw... I've been on a few draw preview shows for Roland Garros... Um, and a, no, and I'm just guilty of this. We didn't really talk about Hatchinov. We didn't talk about him much in Australia either. Um, surely now going forward, we have to like put his name in the mixes. How far is Hatchinov going to get? Is he get another quarterfinal? Um, yeah, absolutely. He deserves it. I, I had him as my quarter pick, Nick. I'll say that much. Okay. But then I also had some horrific uh, picks. So, I, I, well, we'll see. I mean, like, we'll probably have to compare compare notes afterwards. I mean, I will yeah. say when I when I did my draw and I put, found I put Hatchinov versus Rublev, um, my instinctive reaction was, "Oh, Hatchinov's going to win that." Yeah. Um, but because I was rigidly sticking to my formula, I went for Rublev foolishly. Um, yeah. But um, but uh, that was literally based on the formula that I'd created for doing predictions. And in fact, if I'd gone with my gut instinct, I would have gone with Hatchinov. Yeah, fair. Right, Nick. Do you want to talk about a few predictions, maybe? What would um, well, well, we Well, we, we, we talked a little bit about... Um, did you... I obviously assume you didn't catch any of Stefanos versus Offner. Oh, of course, um, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Um, that's no, the last match. Didn't get to see, um, see Offner. How'd that go? I caught the beginning of it before the um, the uh, Sabalenka-Stevens match. Um, I mean, it was... Offner actually got an early break. Um, got a good start, seemed to be able to frustrate, keep up with Steph in the rallies a little bit. But as the match went on, Steph kind of took control and did what Steph does. He is a top player still, and he wins the matches he's supposed to win on the whole. Um, Daniel yeah, Gaynor, the US Open aside. Let's be real. I mean, I, I might sound like I'm guilty for sort of, you know, acing on sets of pass all the time. But in, in reality... He's he's a great player. I rate him. I think he's amazing. His forehand's incredible. His serve's incredible. You know, he 
he takes care of business. Sorry, Siri's talking to me. There we go. Um, he takes care of business against every single other player. It's just the fact that the top 10 generally are more defensive, more counter-punching nowadays. It's not the sort of top 10 that he is gonna, ever going to be that good against. If he'd been sort of around Nick, I would have said, you know, 20 years ago, I think we could have seen him, you know, sort of number. He was never going to beat Federer, obviously. But it, number two in the world sort of thing, easy. I think sort of around the period where sort of we had the power vacuum, a bit of a power vacuum where we had Leighton Hewitt at the top with these other like younger players like Federer and Roddick and Ferrero kind of coming through yeah. and some of the old guys hanging around. Yeah, he would have been in the mix. Yeah, what? yeah. You know, just a big enough serve, big enough forehand. I definitely think he could have done pretty great things yeah. and not a very Until, forward. But he also would have probably got caught up in the Federer suddenly hitting um, goat mode in 2004 and no one being able to stop him yeah i don't yeah i was saying number two in the world but still yeah, yeah you know second best in the world bar Federer is still pretty good right i mean um, but that's what andy roddick's been holding on to his entire career yeah exactly i mean andy roddick's a great player I, the same as steph you know in a way they're of a similar obviously you know roddick, roddick was always a bit more about his serve but um yeah he's got that explosiveness he's just he i do rate him is my point, you know, to get to the quarters of the French Open again, it's, it's pretty impressive. Because remember, he didn't get to the quarters last year. He got knocked out in the, the fourth round. Obviously, yeah. it was Volker, right? Yeah. But, you know, still Which in, in retrospect, was actually an okay loss. At the time, we were like, how are you losing to Holger Runa? Now it's, oh, you lost to Holger Runa. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I rate him. Steph, he did a good job there to clean that up in straight sets against a player who had been uh, threatening as a sort of dark horse throughout the tournament. Great stuff. The pro, you know, I I want to see something new against Carlos. I just don't think we will. It's not going to be that exciting for me, Nick. I don't think I will be looking for something a bit different. But Jesus Christ, he just he keeps banging his head against the wall against Carlos against Novak. It feels like it's always the same thing, always the same you know game plan. You need something I'm different. I'm pretty confident, though, that Alcaraz is probably going to be the night match on Chatrier on Tuesday. Yeah. Of the options cool. they've got, I think that's what they're going to pick. Do you know, maybe that's advantage, Steph, to okay. be honest. like So it will be a little bit harder for Carlos to exploit the backhand in that case. You know, it doesn't bounce as high. Um, it doesn't get quite as high up to the, the one-hander, particularly on the serve as well. Um, remember him playing him. In Barcelona, though, at the same time, Nick, and I'm pretty sure they played at night. They did. That was the go. That was, I mean, that wasn't even the go-to, Nick. That was the only serve Carlos played from the advantage side. It was just kick it out wide, and you've won the point basically. Um, so maybe it won't matter. It probably won't matter. But at the same time, you know, Carlos could just play Plan A, and it's probably going to be enough to ruffle Steph's feathers. So he needs something just to fight back. I mean, something, Nick. And yeah, I'll, I'll get excited. But at the moment, I'm pretty placid about that match. Yeah, I, I would kind of agree. Just with the matchup involved, we know how it's going to go. We've kind of seen it play out a few times. Um, I am not massively thrilled at the prospect. I'm probably more intrigued by how Djokovic Hachanov will play out. Yeah, likewise. Likewise. Right. Are, are you, do you want to do a little look at the other half of the draw, Nick, before See we. See what's happening tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got the draw in front of me rather than the order of play, but that works, I think. Okay, yeah, I don't think it matters too much. I think um, if it, in terms of the order of play, for those who are interested, um, 
Shat, I, I think it, they they made some interesting choices um, for order of play tomorrow because um, Chatrier they went with um, Pera versus Shabur, followed by Jarry Rude, followed by Schmidlever Goff, and then Dimitrov Zverev for the night match, and then Longlen is Cerebus Tomo Hadad Meyer. Rune Sarundalo, Sviantek Sarenko, Echeverry Nishioka. But I get it. Like, Iga yeah. plays for like 50 minutes and then she's gone. Like, yeah. that's not that's not of any interest to anybody, you know? I, I'm obviously being silly because I would love to see Iga Sviantek play live. But that might be part of it. Like, genuinely, Iga Sviantek's matches aren't lasting that long. I, I, I agree. And actually, you know what? Um, she needs to, I think, I don't think she's, has she gone on long line yet, yet this year? Um, and, uh, um, you know, it's, it's about time. And I agree. I think there's some, they've put matches, she's on Chatrier that have probably the most potential um, to go well. I thank you, Scott. Um so, uh, uh, yeah, I, th- I think certainly if you're on a sh- you've got a Chatrier ticket for the day and maybe even the night session, you're in for an interesting one. Yeah. Iga Sorenko, any chance? Keep it I short, put, keep it simple. I put, I put a poll on my Twitter. I need to check how it's going because I got a little bit of stick for it from some people of, is Lacia Sorenko going to win a set against Iga Sviantek? Um, All right, okay. That's a big question. That was based on... Is Eager going to have a, her usual round full dip, and will it be severe enough for Serenko to take advantage? Because Serenko is the kind of player that Eager absolutely loves match up. Oh, Nick, I, you're also talking about your fourth round curse, right? Your fourth yeah. round wobble for Eager. I guess that's what you're mentioning as well. Yes, I, which I don't think will be enough for Serenko to take advantage of to win uh-huh. the match. Um, so yes, that's what it's completely based on. Here we go: 120 votes. 83% do not believe that Iga Shvi- that Lacey Sharenko will win a set against Iga Sviantek. I think that tells you something. I thought it was going to be how many products are, is Iga going to add to her bakery, basically, was going to be the question. I'm going to say at least one. At least one seems fair. I'm going to say two. Sh- do you know, Sharenko's actually... Been one. Playing, she's been playing with some power, actually. She's not just like a total... Um, pusher for sure, which is obviously not going to work against Iga at the French Open. So there, there is a chance that she holds her own, definitely, maybe four and four or something like that. But I, nah, I, I do not see Sharenko taking a set. I'm sorry, I don't think she's got big enough weapons. It would have to be a very nervy day. I don't see why Iga's that nervy at this point in the tournament, but I could be proven wrong, Nick. Yeah, you could, we could be proven. Again, it depends on how bad the dip is. I don't think I agree with you just because of the matchup, because of the way Serenko plays. Um, it's it's not going to be enough. I'm I'm just having a look just out of curiosity because Serenko is a former Grand Slam quarter finalist, and I completely forgot about this. Yeah, she's um, like 23 in the world or something. 2018 like US Open. Um, she beat um, Caroline Wozniacki. Um, yeah, okay, yeah, there you go. But then that's like you know, countered with the same sort of style, it's not an overpowering game, there, right? Yeah, she got very fortunate. Like, look at who she beat, like, several very similar start, like, sort of counter punchery games. She beat uh, Van Utvank, Vosniaki, Siniakova, and Von Drosheva to get to the quarterfinals and then got overpowered yeah. by Naomi Osaka. So, there you that's, go, that tells you everything. Yeah, it's not a terrible list, but yeah, I, I, I just don't think it's gonna happen, Nick. Right, no. Let, let's move on to the other match. Goff, Schmidlova. I still think Goff obviously is mega vulnerable at the moment. 
But seeing that the Andriva match was seriously, seriously impressive. That yeah, she did well maybe, to rescue that. Yeah, it's maybe making me change my mind on how I'm feeling about her at this tournament. I think maybe she still beats Shmidlova just based on the matchup, but I don't think she'll have a chance against Eva. Uh, yeah, and this is a question I was hoping to ask someone when I was on the show with, and like, let's just play a little bit because um, like we're making an assumption, but let's have the conversation anyway in case a shock happens and Goff isn't in the quarterfinals or something. Um, but um, what does Coco Goff need to do to try and make headway in the matchup against Eager? The forehand being the obvious answer, but like, let's be try and be a bit more specific. Well, do you want to work work with him? Um, oh, hold on, my sound's gone. Oh, can you hear me? Nick? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. I'm back. Yeah, always. Yeah. Um, in terms of trying to work with her current game, I guess because she's not going to get a good forehand overnight. Uh, probably not. Yeah, let's go with current game, and then we'll go with what does she need to do to develop to get to that point. <laughs> I mean. She'd have to go mega aggressive on return. So if she does get a chance on the her backhands, I guess, you know, like try and pressurize her. No, I, honestly, no, I, I really I don't think. There's I, no really, way. I, I really, I really don't think she's got enough power. I'm sorry. You need something that's going to rush Ego on a clay court, and she's got nothing. She's not got anything at this stage in her career to do that. I, it, it's yeah. almost impossible for her to come up with a game plan that's going to consistently work without redlining her forehand. Because the backhand's inherently a defensive shot. That's why she's such a good defender. That's why she's so good at at moving. You know, still got a bit of zip to it, but she's not going to have the explosiveness of the forehand, of anybody's biggest forehand, to rush Iga on a clay court. Hmm. And honestly, Iga's backhand, you know, if it's inferior to Goff's, it's by a whisker. Either way, I would have said, you know, about equal. It, it, It holds its own, basically, for sure. And then the forehand's a different league. So it's just... I, th- I think Goff is never is never is going to struggle to be the kind of player to challenge Eager on a clay court. Maybe a hard court. Um, she might be able to develop something, but again, depending on what kind of hard court. As you said, like trying to redline it is going to be difficult <laughs> if um, she's uh, uh, can't if if Eager's able to rush the Goff forehand. Grass won't be a different prospect given Eager's historical struggles with the surface. Um, but yeah, no, it's just a question that I would like. I'm pondering, especially since, um, you know, I'm trying to work out the the game of Coco Goff for myself and trying to assess where she kind of goes from here. And at the minute, Sviontek is one of her biggest problems on yeah. tour right now. She's she's got a good serve as well, I would say, Nick. But that totally doesn't work against Iga again because she's like. <laughs> She is actually the best returner in the world. I would say, like the the way the balls she can get back into court and stuff are just insane, you know, mm. with depth. So I, it just it, it wouldn't. Yeah, I've not I've not got any hope. I'm afraid, Nick. If we do okay. see that, not that not much hope there. Um, should we should we try and be a bit more optimistic? Maybe um the yeah. the other women's matches that are happening. Um, Pera Jabeur, you do you ha- so you have potentially Jabeur on, uh, that as an upset alert then. Yeah, I'd say that's that's mega dangerous. Um, Pera packs a punch off the first ball, so if Shabur does constantly find herself in the back foot, then there could be issues there. Um, I don't want to underrate Shabur, though, at the mm. French Open. I, I know she's honestly on a hard court. I make her 50-50 about any player in the world, honestly, because her forehand and her backhand don't possess a ton of power, really. She's just a great changer of direction and 
She's got a decent serve as well, for sure. And honestly, the US Open was just a lot of confidence. I would say I'm most confident she's good. Um, but she came back from some very tight uh, positions in the, the US Open, you know, constantly coming back from players serving out sets and stuff. And anyway, my point is on a natural surface, she's able to play her own game. That's what you want to see. She does tend to pick people apart doing that. I still make Jabir the favourite for that reason. I don't think Pera has played players like Jabir that often on a, a clay court. But Pera could be dangerous if she's if she's willing to be, you know, proactive enough to just take the match by the scruff of the neck. Completely agree. Um, I think, um, I mean, Pera, I am a little bit surprised Pera's got this far because I didn't imagine her as a clay court player. Um but that's probably because I haven't looked too diff. Then I looked into her results. I was like, "Oh wait, uh, <laughs> those two titles from last year." Uh, I, I kind of, yeah, I kind of don't know why I didn't uh, catch that. But uh, yeah, I kind of think of Perra as a standard American hardcore player for some reason. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think Jabir has got the clay court prowess. I thought the way she fought back against Dinovich was really impressive. Um, really took control of the match. Um, so I agree with you. I'd make Shabir the slight favourite there. Um, Para getting through would be um, interesting, but I, I do kind of want that eager on semi um, because I think that would be fun to watch. Um, yeah. And I, I think, I mean, regardless of, you know, Para might have the game to bother Shviontek, but I don't think she'd be able to maintain it for long enough to make it a good battle. Um, I'm kind of, and also... Um, let's face it, like at the minute, I, I'm just on board the ONS optimism train right now. I'm just going to ride that for as long as it runs. Yeah, that's fair. It's just good to see her doing well again, right? So, you know, natural surface, she loves it. She's on her bed and butter, basically. And then Suribe's Toro Mohada Maya. Suribe's Toro Mohada Grind Fest. Suribe's Toro could win that for sure. Yeah, it would be a proper grind fest. I, that's a 50 50 one for me because, yeah, that's just going to be brutal rallies constantly. Um, and uh, it's going to be, um, yeah, I, I don't think Cerebus Tom is anyone, everyone's favourite player at the minute, um, but Haddon Meyer's got her own controversies as well, so I don't know how many people are going to be tuning in for that one. I, I rate both players a lot, actually, and obviously Cerebus Tom has got some some recent aggro to contend with, but generally the two players, I, I, I enjoy watching both of them. I think both of them are incredible fighters, particularly Haddon Meyer, who I've seen in, like, awful positions in matches and she still just keeps going and going and going she's got such a good attitude on the court um, I, I, I'll be tuning into it I'm quite excited to see what happens there I think Hadad Maya's got a good chance of, of coming through that and potentially yeah. being her next opponent just based on that fighting spirit and you know I rate it quite a lot um, so that could be Shontek's semi-final opponent could be, could be and let's face it we know how what that happened in Canada when they played that was a real battle I mean, Hadad Meyer is 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 someone who will make you work to beat her, um, but so is Cerebos Tormo. So, um, yeah, I will unfortunately have to miss that match, but uh, like watching it, but um, I will be keeping an eye on it. I'm expecting it to go about three hours, probably. Probably. Um, very quick uh, word on the beef with them. Cerebos Tormo today with... Um, Marie Bushkova. Marie Bushkova, of course, yeah. Playing doubles against Nick Jude, not the whole story. Oh, gosh. It was, um, yeah, this is really bad. Um, I don't actually know um, the names because they're not people I've actually heard of before. I've got um, them here, actually. So it was um, Kato and Suchiada. 
As to yeah. GRE even. Uh, so a Japanese and a, a Polish player anyway. Anyway. And no, Indonesian. Was, um, Indonesian, sorry. Oh yeah, the flag's the other way around. Uh, Damien would definitely not like me for that one. <laughs> um, yeah, Sujiada, so, so so even, hits the ball towards the ball girl who wasn't looking. It hits her in the head, I believe. Buskov and Suribes Tormo basically push with the umpire to get a default. They do end up getting defaulted because the umpire goes down to talk to the ball girl. She was crying. She was in a bit of a state. And then that's her final decision. The, the umpire decides that they can't continue with the match. That's enough to, to default them. So, okay, yes, the, the ball was hit a little hard. But from for me, it looked as though it was kind of just a sort of pass done you know, without much thought, it wasn't really a malicious ball. I don't know, Nick. I don't, I, it, I was, it was a, yeah, it was It was definitely someone knocking the ball. It was one of those cases where, like, they'd lost a point. They were knocking yes. the ball away. Um, kind of like Shapovalov with the um, umpire incident a few years back when he was just starting his career. Um, yeah, really unfortunate. It's it's one of those things. I it, It's a very complicated situation because... You know, it's very easy to kind of go in the camp of one direction or the other. My view is they definitely should have been a default. But uh, the way it happened was not ideal or potentially very sportsmanlike. So um, I think that's where I kind of go with I, I'm the default definitely should have happened. The circumstances were not ideal. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it was it was a shame. I really don't think it was that necessary in the way that Suribes, Tormo and Buzkova pushed for it. They should have just, you know, they should have let the umpire make this decision, basically. There's no need for the players to get involved there. So it, no. it was it was a bit sad to watch. And hopefully whatever has to happen there happens. You know, maybe Suribes, Tormo, she's not going to apologise for what she did, to be fair. So it's just a shame. Like, we'll leave it at that. It was, it, it was a bit sad. Yeah. Um, it it wasn't ideal, and then the the other the the other beef. I think there's some there's some people I've seen on Twitter who will not let go that had admire had a doping offence a few years back. Um, that's yeah. the only other thing that maybe just to answer the question uh, for from Terry. Yeah, um, yeah, you'll have to kind of do all the digging up and make your own opinion on that one. Um, but I don't know. For me, you know, she 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 passed basically. At where, afterwards, she was kind of exonerated of it and stuff. I, you know, I, for me, it was that was enough. Yeah. She's, I, she's, it's enough for us to move on from. That's not yeah. an issue for me whatsoever, and I don't think it's an issue for you either. Yeah, exactly. Should we end with some men's predictions for the other side as well? We just yeah, definitely. Nick, yeah, yeah. Um, let me get the drop. Of course, we've got... Um, can't remember yeah. any of them off the top of my head. Just give me a it's, second. It's quite an interesting draw. I mean, let's... Um, I think there's two matches that are happening at the same time that I think with the scheduling of it, I'm like, I would want to watch both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a high profile um, Scandinavian clay, uh, not even clay quarter, high profile Scandinavian player taking on an informed South American. Um, okay. sure. <laughs> like, but, but, and that could describe either match and yeah. they're both absolutely fascinating lineups. Um, and uh, I'm not sure how po- I, I I would say that whilst I wouldn't, there's a, one of them, I wouldn't put an upset alert. I definitely wouldn't be surprised if an upset happened in either of those matches. Yeah. 
Likewise, I again let's just talk about all the predictions that we get right, Nick. Why not? Surindolo, mm-hmm. I had beating Taylor Fritz in the third round. I same, was, same. Yeah, I, I knew the forehand there would be a massive, massive threat, and generally he's more comfortable being offensive on a clay court than Fritz. Generally, he's just one of the best front foot players on the tour, and actually, Runa could have some issues there because he's one of the best defensive players on the tour. Um, so it's it's one of the few kind of styles of play that can kind of bully Runa a little bit, kind of see that defence kind of crumble a little bit. But the thing with Runa is just, he's just got so many different options. He's not looked physically weary yet either, which is what we wanted to see. Obviously, that was the question mark going into the tournament. Can Runa go five sets for two weeks uh, over seven matches? He, he's looked absolutely fine so far. Obviously, yeah. the Monfils walkover might have helped in the second round. Um, so, the, the, I, I'm confident Runa can change up his game plan enough to, to come through that. But actually, I might uh, predict a five-setter there, Nick. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was five. I'm going to predict four. Um, I definitely think Surindola is winning a set. Um, yeah, I, I, as I said, so Matthew there, uh, Surindola winning would be a major surprise. He has got the offensive game to make this difficult. Like, don't be surprised if it gets very tight because, as I say, Runa prefers to go defensive. He doesn't like playing his offensive style as his plan A. If he's forced to play something different, then don't be surprised if the wheels come off for a set or two. I think Surindolo can make it really, really difficult. And yeah. honestly, he once he gets into the top 20, I think people will, will start to respect him a little bit more. Um, don't be surprised, you know, if, the, if this guy's beating top players on clay for years to come, essentially. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, there's uh, he's definitely, he's having, he's getting bigger and bigger years every year. He's going to be um, someone very, very dangerous in draws for a while. Um, Jari Rude, that's an interesting one. Yeah, Jari Rude, um, again, I had it at the start of the... No, I didn't, actually. That's a lie. Like, <laughs> it's a lie. That is a barefaced lie. I was keen to have Jari go through, but I think I said Struff was going to be him. But I, yeah. I, I obviously was big on Jari. I was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure Jari's going to come in with the same form he had in Geneva, even if the altitude there helps his serve. Now he is through to the forefront. I would make him the fave against Root, I think. I don't think Root's playing with Interesting. as much. I just don't think he's playing with as much confidence. Jarry's playing fine from the baseline. You know, okay, Roots should win most of the baseline rallies, but Jarry's serve is like probably the biggest left in the draw, I would say. He's he's got a very good chance of winning three points over and over again for that serve. And Roots just had a habit of getting into really, really, you know, high stakes matches and not winning them this year. Or actually it's, it's been quite early on in tournaments, hasn't it, generally? Now. But you, yeah. anyway, he's had the butterflies in his stomach. Jarry beat Rude two weeks ago. He beat Rude in Leon um, on his way to the title. Nah, there. so it must have been Geneva. Was it not, was it not Geneva? Geneva. Uh, hang I on. Th- I think it was Geneva. That's what I was saying, because Geneva is a very oh, yeah, high... Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. It's a very high altitude tournament. It does make a big difference in terms of what you can do with the serve for Jarry. Um, if Jarry does win this against Rude again here, it would probably almost definitely be five sets because Rude's got a good enough game to to win. But I, I just think Jarry's playing well enough to keep a sustained high level going and Rude is feeling underconfident enough that he could go off the boil for for sort of very high pressure moments of the matches. I completely agree. 
I completely agree. I think this is the kind of Jarry's in the kind of form that will do that. Rude is has a lot of question marks around him at the minute. The one thing I will say is his kind of attitude. This tournament so far has been quite positive. Um, rude, and he does okay. Australia aside, does have a habit of coming coming out for these big tournaments with no momentum and doing something. Um, you know that he he got to the semis in Rome. So um, I I am a little bit more optimistic about Rude um, winning this one. Um, I think if it goes five, I think he actually probably might win it. But um, we'll have to see. Uh, I, I definitely think Jarry's got a very, very good chance of beating him. I do have that one on upset alert. Yeah. But if I re- if you ask me to make a call who's going to win it now, I would actually go with Rude. The, the, the thing for me is you can envision Jarry taking Rude to really pressurised moments in the matches, more so than other players because of that serve, right? So he rattles through service games, Rude rattles through service games, it goes to a tie-break, suddenly Rude has to be in a pressure moment that he wouldn't have been against other players, and Jarry could take advantage just because Rude's been having this really flaky season. So mm. for that reason, the, the fact that Jarry should be able to hold his own enough to take Rude to higher pressure, higher stakes situations, I really could see Jarry taking this one. Genuinely could. I know that Rude should win most of the baseline rallies, but I, I still think Jarry's playing well enough, solid enough that he could trouble Rude. And if he does put any pressure on, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he crumbles a little bit. Yeah. That's my thoughts. I, I'm not going to argue with you because uh, I can see that happening too. I just may be less confident in happening than you, but not by much. Yeah, fair. And then uh, the other two matches we've got here, of course, Echeverry and Nishioka and Dimitrov and Zverev. Echeverry, firstly, again, he's playing so, so well. He's one of those players, again, people are looking at like, who the hell's this guy? You know, so somebody that John McEnroe would have been like, oh, this guy's like, I've never seen this guy in my life. He's probably played like one ATP match and now he's in the fourth round of the French. And Damien, obviously, is on Twitter. Like, I mean, come on, John. Like, he's, he's like been winning clay court matches all season. Like, he's a hugely, you know, impressive challenger player. He's just taken the same level into the ATP tour. Like, he's always yeah. been an incredible player. He's really, really stepped up this year. I, I, I obviously, you know, he should be the favourite against Nishioka, but I fancy his chances in the quarterfinals as well against either of those players. Like we could see an H of A semi-final. Yeah, I'd be here for that. I'd be here for that. I definitely agree with you. HFA is the favourite over Nishioka. I am surprised Nishioka got this far. Although having said that, that was based on hit, um, Medvedev um, being here at this point still. And to be honest, Nishioka did very, very well to come through against uh, Shibov Field. Um, but uh, that second set tie break they, they played in their five set of being critical. Um, second consecutive second week of a major, given that he's never he before this year he'd never got this far. You know he's he's on the up Nishioka, but I do think I, I don't think of as a clay quarter. Echeverry is a clay quarter, and that's what's edging it for me. Um, and if you know if you've got Echeverry in the semis. Which I I agree with you. I could see that happening. I'm probably again a bit like with Gary thing, less confident in that happening. Um, but I don't think that's an unrealistic possibility. And if it is Echeverry in the semis, fantastic. Hey, if things fall a certain way, like if utter craziness happens, you could see an all South American semi final. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? That's true. I hadn't thought about that. It will be very interesting because I think Echeverry against Zverev for sure. Has the game to 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 beat Zverev. Um, Zverev's 
obviously probably back to playing close to last year's tennis. But in mm-hmm. terms of, uh, you know, his offensive capabilities, he's a little, you know, he can be a little passive and Echeverry is super offensive, kind of like Sarun's low in that way. You know, he, he can take control of the points um, and, and also, you know, happy to, to grind out points as well. He's just, he's just playing super solidly in general. He's, he looks incredibly difficult to beat. So Zverev against Dimitrov, yes, I would make him the favourite there. But yes. against a player who's just playing insanely good play court tennis, that'll be a proper test. So I, I could see Echeverry taking that. Dimitrov, by the way, um, his French Open pedigree has been so, so bad historically. So to, to get to the fourth round here was already very impressive. This is his second but, time in the fourth round of the French. There you go. So it must have been one other time, right, Nick, or something like that? Uh, 2020. Um, okay. And I think he's got to the Monte Carlo stage before. Like, his clay court record, don't get me wrong, is not as good compared to most of the top 20 oh. or 30. In Monte but, Carlo, he's great. Like, I don't know why the hell he can't take that into Roland Garros. Like, it's, it, the conditions aren't a million miles apart. No, no, I, I, but I, I don't favor him against Zverev in that night match. First of all, Zverev has played in the night match conditions the last his last two matches. Secondly, he has got far better clay pedigree and Roland Garros pedigree than Dimitrov. Any other event, I would be saying this is going to be a really juicy clash, particularly say if it was at Wimbledon. Um, but uh, I, or at least definitely on grass. Um, but in this situation, yeah, I think Zverev is the heavy favorite um, to go through. Um, at which point we would be hoping that uh, Runa and Rude both win um, their matches because then they'd get the night match on Wednesday, um, which would be uh, probably an, a repeat of their blockbuster quarterfinal from last year uh, and uh, repeat of repeat of the aggro there. But, and also, to be honest, just gives the crowd who are getting the evening matches a little bit more variety. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm so there for a, a Runa Rude rematch. I mean, everybody yeah. on, t- on Twitter is. Which, this this which, tournament's been so good, Nick, honestly. Like, it, we'd love to see that. Weirdly, this is the first day on the men's tour that we haven't had a five set match happen. Yeah, um, so it is. It's day, it's day eight. And we've still had some good matches as well. I mean, the mm. Sonigo catching on one was super tight. The rest were kind of one sided, but just seeing Alcaraz like that was. Enough for me as well. It's, it's noble, service, noble service will resume tomorrow, I suspect. I suspect too, yeah. Can I Enjoy. ask? Go on. I'd like to ask you a question. Okay, so there's obviously been a lot of discussion around sort of after kind of, we say chaos. In reality, the only chaotic bit was Medvedev going out. Um, maybe Sinner as well, but we weren't really sure where Sinner stood. Um, who's your favourite to come out this half? Like, We've been talking about who we're winning it. We talk about the top half of the draw a lot. Who did you have in your final and who do you have in there now? I had Medvedev in my final, Nick. So did I. So did I. Yeah, unfortunately. So there you go. We were talking about all the... Oh, I picked Sarunzo to beat Fritz and I had this and that. Yeah, I had Medvedev in my final. I'll own it. That's a terrible prediction. (laughs) But now, who do I pick now, Nick? Um... Yeah, probably still Rune. And honestly, I'm I'm not saying that with a ton of confidence. He probably doesn't get like, you know, seventy percent of the vote or anything like that. It's it's not massive. I still think if he comes up against oh, actually, yeah, no, I'll stick with Rune. He's just just because he's the, the best of a not particularly inspiring bunch, I would say. And nobody's no, not in a bad way. I just mean there's nobody that's the massive favourite is all I mean. Um so yeah, I, I'd go ruin it, but not by not by loads. 
I, I would agree. I Rune is this it's the same for me. Like I, I was very much high on the Rune hype. Um for and, and like this clay court season's been super, super impressive from him on the whole. Okay, he didn't win those two Masters finals, but they were pretty close. Um he just seemed to have a problem with the Russian players. Uh but uh, the I, I would say like I don't know, I just thought I'd ask because some people are going, is Rude waking up? Some people are going, is Zverev gonna be back in a Grand Slam final? Um yeah. I mean, I, I, this threat does loom because, it's, yeah, most people would fancy him to get to the semis, right? And then again, in the semis, against Runa, a, a sort of fellow, you know, defender in a way. They've both got one of the best defensive games in the on the tour. Yeah, he's got a chance. Definitely he's got a chance. So it, it, it could be interesting. Nick. I still pick Runa. I still think Runa is a better defender than Zverev. I think he's in better form. I think, obviously, he's in better form. I think he's in better physical condition, ironically, as well. Um, yeah, so Runa, Nick. Yeah. That's my final my final answer. I'm going with Runa as well. Um, and uh, that will definitely be an entertaining final, whether it's against Alcaraz or Djokovic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, would I, I, I think I'd prefer Djokovic. I think I prefer Djokovic. Obviously, I love Carlos. I think he's got one of the most appealing games on the tour. But in terms of the storyline, you know, the the history, Novak's got to try and get the 23rd. He's got to try and pull away. I, you can't resist it, surely. I know for a fact John's going to be hoping for an Alcaraz Runa final so that Nostradamus would actually be right for once. Uh... <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Well, what are you hoping for, Nick? And do you have Runa getting to the final as well? I, I do, yeah. I mean, I think most likely final is Djokovic versus Runa. Um, if I am going with what I think would be the most interesting final, I'd go with Alcaraz Runa. Fair. Yeah. Alcaraz in another final, even the French. Yeah. That would yeah. be amazing. I'd like, yeah, that's one of the two, the, the, you know, I, I can imagine two next gens going head to head would be quite entertaining. Yeah. And we've got a couple of comments from Ghibli there. I'll just address them. So Sarundolo, I fear his lack of an all-round game might be exposed by a good defensive player like Runa. I honestly think his offensive capabilities could be good enough on a good day for him that that might not be much of an issue. He's also very good in big moments. My point is he has a red line that could threaten Runa. It's just obviously, you know, you wouldn't, expect him you wouldn't bet on him turning up and being that good but there's a high chance you know he does that you know it could happen i i, I just watch out for it because surrendolo if his forehand's firing it really doesn't matter how hard you defend how much you run about he can take control of the rallies quite easily so it could be very very interesting to see what happens there if surrendolo is playing his best tennis yeah sorry my mic's went off there go, go no ahead. no it's all good i, I didn't really have a much of a comment there because like we've talked about this already um yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the other thing uh, <laughs> for the next seven days I mean, will be uncertain, I mean, of course. British tennis will definitely be, um, judging by um, the people I interact with the most, like everyone's excited for the Serpentine Challenger going underway because you've got Dan Evans and Andy Murray, which is the one that everyone wants to see, um, plus a couple of other Brits in action. I believe Liam Brody and Ryan Penister are playing um, off the top of my head. Um, and Jamie's covering it. So that's exciting. So we've got coverage across the two biggest tournaments in tennis next week. Uh, the two big tournaments for the following week, which should be entertaining. Love it. 
Absolutely love it. Is there anything else we need to cover in it before we, we close up shop? I think we've um, covered um, everything that's happened today. We've had a good look at tomorrow. And uh, I think tomorrow's going to be a very good day of tennis. And today's been very entertaining as well. So always good um, chatting tennis with you, Jack, and uh, having the opportunity to look a little bit to the future and uh, making some cheeky predictions. Yeah, absolutely. As always, a pleasure to talk to you too. We'll catch everybody on Talk of Tennis soon. Please join us the next few nights. As always, uh, last ball drops will be here every night of the French Open up until Sunday. So please join uh, when you can. Uh, Nick, I'll talk to you when I can. Of course, I'll be back on um, if I get any free time. And uh, see everybody soon. Cheers, everyone. If you enjoyed this video, make sure you hit that like button. Don't forget to subscribe and click that notification bell so you don't miss out on all things tennis. Sports Social Podcast Network.